Enlightenment. That word can mean a lot of things, and it has a lot of meanings in our context here in Santa Cruz, but it also has a biblical meaning, and it's something that we should be asking God for according to this passage today. So we're going to ask the question, what what does the Bible mean by this word enlightenment, and how should we pray for it? Mm -hmm. So I'm here with Ben Hartel, who we just learned is a deadhead, um, is is a Grateful Dead fan. So I was asking about that. Um, I have never heard a Grateful Dead song, so, yes. but I feel like I haven't truly really lived we'll have to my life. We'll have I know. To change that. Yes, a concert, I don't know. I don't know about that, but yeah, yeah. I will listen to a song. Um, okay. But Ben, as if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, uh, Ben is one of our members at church and uh, a really good Bible teacher. He's you know preached for us a number of times, and he's helping us this summer walk through the topic of prayer. Yeah. What better topic to be focusing on this summer than how we can commune with God yeah. and, and have this conversation with God. So we're going to look at a key passage from Scripture on this topic. It's from Ephesians chapter 1. So I'm going to read the passage, okay. and then Ben, you can kind of unpack this for us. Sure. So we'll start Ephesians um, 1.15. We'll start there. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Okay, we'll stop right there. Yeah. So help us understand kind of what what's happening here in this passage. Yeah. Well, Paul is... Um, expressing what he's praying for the Ephesian church mm-hmm. at the beginning of this letter. Um, and there's really a couple of big things that he's praying for here. Um, one is what you could call wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God or spiritual wisdom and insight. Um, and the other is enlightenment or an enlightened heart, um, or some translations say a heart flooded with light. So it's kind of, it sounds like kind of weird language maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe not the way we would normally talk or think about talking or praying yeah <laughs> but uh yeah that's that's what he that's what he's talking about i remember the first time i read ephesians 1 and i really noticed this prayer i thought that song is based on something remember that song from the late 2000 early 2000s which open the eyes of my heart uh, sonic flood Yes. No, okay. That was okay. very popular during I know, that I time know period. I know Caleb does. I know he does. I do. I know exactly what you're then, talking but, about. Um, yes. So, yeah. so having that enlightenment is having a mm. fuller knowledge of God, yes. right? Being yep. having revealed to because it, we don't we don't have we can't demand access to the knowledge of God. Right. We often forget this that the knowledge yeah. of God is something that He gives to us. That's he right. reveals Himself. So we call it revelation. Yep. Because He has to disclose those things to yeah. us. So, what's the purpose? Um, in Paul's mind for praying for these two things? Well, he's got, there's a few things here in the passage um, that why he's praying for these things, right? So he's praying for um, enlightenment. And in verses 18 and 19, the latter part of 18 and 19, it says, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might. So he's praying, the purpose of praying for these things is that we would know the hope of his calling, um, that we're his glorious inheritance, and the immeasurable greatness of God's power. And again, I don't think those are things that we think about praying in those terms or maybe the way that Paul describes them, but I think they're important things to pray for. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow, that's that's cool. Yeah. I mean, such a powerful prayer. So he's asking God to give them knowledge and insight that they're lacking. Yes. Right. To open their hearts more to the knowledge of who God is. Yep. And the result of that, right, is to know hope, yep. to understand exactly who you are and what God's inheritance is. Yeah. And to know God's power. I mean, those are, yeah. those are things that <laughs> I wonder if our prayers are this lofty. It doesn't seem like it. Yeah. It doesn't seem like most it. Of the time. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's normal for us to do that. And one of the things that has you know, stuck out to me about this passage too, is it could, sometimes even the language is a little tricky to understand because it's not the way that we maybe talk or pray. And it could be easy to kind of skip over and go, I don't know exactly what he's saying, but like it's lofty language and whatever. And let's get to the main point of what the letter is, like what's Paul addressing to the church uh, in this letter. Um, But I think it's, it's cool to look at this kind of thing and see what, this is still God's word, even though Paul's expressing what he's praying. Um, you know, this is important stuff. So, and I think we can pray the same things. We probably use different language. <laughs> we yeah. might not use the exact same language as Paul, but I think we can we can pray for these things too. That's good. Yeah, and I think I, I just you reminded me of when I was a kid, <clears throat> and I would um, hear the pastor prayer pray because yeah. sometimes I would be in service with my parents. Yeah, and just thinking essentially, this is sort of just flowery language. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just kind of like complicated sounding. Yeah. <laughs> There's not any real meaning to it. Yeah. But when you look at the, and, and again, that's, I'm sure it's unfair to my pastor yeah. when I was a kid, but yeah. that's what I perceived it to be. Yeah. And so it's easy to do the same thing here to say, oh yeah, Paul prays at the beginning. Let's get mm-hmm. to the stuff, yeah. the meat of it. Yep. But Paul's setting up in Ephesians for his entire argument for the book. Right. And all of his theology and all of that comes from this prayer. Yeah. And, and we see this in the opening of Ephesians 2, where he's trying to set their sights higher onto yeah. who God is, right. how he's called them, all of that reality. Yeah. Um, but it's an easy thing to take for granted. Well, I think just prayers in general, we, we can get so used to them. It's kind of like prayer is something you do before you do something else, before mm-hmm. you eat or before you preach or before you open your Bible. And or so you, the band can get back up on stage. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you got to have some time in there, like a buffer or something, right? But um, and we joke about those things, but it, I, I guess my point was you can kind of skip over yeah. that part of it. And it's like there's prayers in the Bible that are God's word and we can learn from them and we Absolutely. can learn how to pray that type of prayer. Um, and the, for those types of things, but not, maybe not in the same words, the yes. words aren't magic anyway. It's not like if you pray the exact right words that Paul uses that what, you know, he's praying for will happen because you use those words. For sure. Yeah. And Paul, I mean, Paul is praying this. <clears throat> for other people. Yes, right, that's and right. And that's instructive for any of us who are leaders in the church or have kids or yeah, even yeah. just care about others. Yeah. We're not just praying for insight for ourselves, but we can also pray for others. And God, I mean, Paul seems to expect that God's going to, in some way, answer his prayer. Yes. So that's, that's just a good cool. way to pray. Yeah. To yeah. expect that God would answer your prayer. <laughs> that's great. So yeah. let's get into it more. So we okay. see that there's a there's a Thanksgiving focus here, right? Yeah. That's pretty common in, in Paul's prayer, isn't for it? For sure, Yeah. It says that he doesn't stop giving thanks for them um, or doesn't cease giving thanks for them. And he talks about that um, in 1 Thessalonians 5 also, where he talks about praying constantly or without ceasing or all the time. And of course, I'm he's not. Sure, yeah, I'm sure someone's going to ask, like, wait, how do you do that? That sounds yeah. impractical. Yeah, it, 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 you could. And I think you could look at it and go, well, I can't do that. I don't have time to do that. But I would never stop praying. It's just to be a regular prayer, I guess, um, to pray continually. He wants this church to know that he's praying for them regularly. He's praying things like this for them regularly because he's thinking about them and he cares about them, and he's bringing requests to God on their behalf regularly. So that's That's all it is. That's great. That's good. So, And let's look at some more about this. So let's look at the idea of spiritual wisdom and insight. You kind of touched on that a little bit. Yeah. 
But what is that all about? It's really just about getting to know God more fully and more deeply. Um, again, he uses maybe loftier language to describe mm -hmm. it. But I think we, you know, maybe for people that have um, been Christians for longer or walk with the Lord for longer, it could, maybe they, not on purpose, but you could become maybe satisfied with how well you know the Lord. You've been a Christian yeah. for 30 years. You've read your Bible so many times, heard so many sermons. You feel like you really know the Lord, but we, there's no, we never get to the bottom of how deeply we can know the Lord. And Absolutely. so to always pray for a, a deeper, uh, more intimate knowledge and relationship with the Lord is great. Man, yeah, and I wonder if for those of you who are listening, if that's your mindset, is to say, I want to know God more. I want to love God in, in a deeper way. And so I'm going to mm -hmm. ask God for the strength to do that. Um, it's easy, on one hand, to get content with your walk with God, your mm -hmm. knowledge of God. On the other hand, it's easy to want more of God, but to think that your doing is yeah. going to be definitive in right. that process. I got to yeah. study hard. I got to, all those things are important. They are. But have you simply asked God yep. to give you more insight into who he is? Yeah. Absolutely. And it, the, the spiritual wisdom and insight to know God better that Paul's praying for comes from God. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you're saying. It doesn't come from us. It's something that God provides that yeah. we should ask for. And maybe not just assume that if we continue to check the boxes and go through the things as we get older and walk with the Lord longer, that we'll somehow know God better. We can mm -hmm. pray that God would help us to know him more deeply. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Talk to us a little bit about this idea of God's glorious inheritance in the saints. That's a strange phrase uh, <laughs> for is. a lot of people. What does that, what does that mean? Well, he, you know, he's, what he's really saying here is that, um, you know, he, he's talking about how God views us, um, that saints, meaning that Christians really, you know, not, not a, again, not a word that we would normally use to describe ourselves probably. Um, you know, can, in, in today we probably use a saint as somebody that, you know, is in a certain way, accomplish something or, you know, whatever. That's not really what this is talking about. Um, but what we can do is pray to see uh, ourselves how God sees us, um, that we have this glorious inheritance, which is a relationship with him where there is no end to it, no bottom to it. Yeah. Um, it will go on for yet forever, the eternal life that we have in the future that we have, and we can pray to comprehend that more deeply. Yeah, so there's two ways to take this phrase, and I'm curious which one you would land on. <clears throat> Both are seem equally plausible linguistically, yeah. right? But one is to take it as well, there's some sort of glorious inheritance within us or that God gives to us. Mm -hmm. The other would actually be that the saints are Christ's inheritance. Right. And I've heard both defend it. I don't know if you yeah. have a have a. I don't. I think you could make the case that it kind of fits with both, mm -hmm. really, um, or either. I think they're. I don't think either one is wrong. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I, which I would agree with. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I kind of think lent, tend towards that the saints are the inheritance. Yeah. In this verse, that um, are Christ's inheritance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think either one is possible, and either yeah. way, it's you see the immense value yeah. that God's placed on us that we are his treasure and that yeah. therefore either way, the implication would be that God's going to give us everything that we need, infinite yeah. wealth, infinite, yep. you know, uh, joy in eternity with him. So yeah. both, you know, ha end up having the same, I think application. Yep. Um, but yeah, anything else we should see from, from this passage There's so much here that we could, we could talk about. Yeah. I think it, in verse 19, um, you know, it talks about the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, um, 
another crazy sounding um, phrase or whatever, but just a reminder that God's power goes beyond the limits of our imagination. Of course, God himself goes beyond the limits of our imagination. He can do more than we could ever ask or think. Um, And I think a lot of this is just praying that we would grow more deeply in our relationship with the Lord in ways that maybe we wouldn't think that we could more intimately, more deeply, and asking God to do that and seeing how he does that um, without it being something that we try to do or accomplish on our own. Yeah, that's great. And I love the way the passage wraps up. Again, this lofty language that's part of Paul's prayer here. Let me, let me read the rest of it. Yeah. In, starting in verse 20. Well, I should start yeah. in the end of verse 19. It says, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ Jesus mm. when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, yeah. which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Yeah. So we end with awesome. this cosmic view of Christ mm-hmm. and of what his resurrection accomplished, right? That he is now at the, the right hand of power yep. above every power yeah. in this world. So nothing is above him. And then he gives his head over all things to the church. Mm-hmm. So he's the head of the church, but really the church is where that reign is going to be coming from, yeah. yep. right? And where his body, it says the fullness of him who fills all in all, yeah. which is an in- incredible statement that, <laughs> yeah. you know, boggles the mind to yeah. think that, that the church could be referred to in that way as the fullness of him who fills all in all. Yeah. But we see that, okay, so part of the reason Paul has this confidence is because he sees Jesus yep. in his reign and he sees yeah. that he's working now through his church. Mm-hmm. So what an amazing thing to amazing. say, yeah, we can ask for power, for insight, yep. for all these things because God is working powerfully through his church, yeah. whether we want to see it or not. Yeah, yeah. It's and awesome. Yeah. So, so awesome. I, I thought you have a D.A. Carson quote here. I yeah. think it's a great one to end it with. Is. I love it. Yeah, let me read that. It says, we will never grow in the knowledge of God the way we ought if we do not ask God for things such as these, talking about what we've been talking about here. Mm -hmm. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we will sometimes come to places where as we try to think about God, we will conclude that these things are way beyond us, that we cannot take them in, that we cannot comprehend him. That is why we must pray. I love it. Yeah. That's great. Well, what a good note to end on. We'll be diving into some more topics on prayer soon. So looking forward to it. Awesome.